Our scripture lesson is 1 John 1, 1 John 1, 1. And we'll go through to 2, 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is the light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin, and... If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Before I begin, I guess you can kind of hear my voice. It really is my voice. It's not a robot voice. But it's my voice. I've got a little cold, and I have to tell you right now, and I want your cooperation after the service, I've been told by my registered nurse wife I'm not to shake hands with anyone. So um, please don't try to shake hands with me. You'll get me in big trouble. But our text for tonight is 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now this verse is often misused by Christians. These Christians mean well, but when they use this verse to present the promises of the gospel to unbelievers, they really are using it out of context. John was not writing to unbelievers. He states the purpose of writing this letter in chapter 5, verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe 
in the name of the Son of God, in order that you may know that you have eternal life. Now we can, in a sense, consider 1 John a follow-up letter of the Gospel of John. He wrote his Gospel primarily for the purpose of bringing unbelievers to salvation through Jesus Christ. He states the purpose of his Gospel in John 20, verse 20, 31. But these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. Of course, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, read the Gospel and repent and trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. We can say, in a sense, John is the gatekeeper and proclaimer of the kingdom of God in his gospel. And in his first letter, he is the guide and teacher of those who, by the grace of God, have entered in. There are two lessons that John is teaching us in this verse. The first lesson is that if we are walking in the path of God's searching light... Our sins will be revealed, and the spirit of truth that indwells every believer will convict us and bring us to confess our sins to God. The second lesson is that the blood of Jesus Christ that originally bought our forgiveness and brought us into the kingdom of God is the same blood that obtains our forgiveness for the individual sins that we commit after we have become believers. In other words, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us because we are in Jesus Christ. Now we'll go to our first lesson so we can understand more fully what John means when he writes, if we confess our sins. When John says, we in this verse, he is referring to himself and all those who by God's grace confess their sinfulness and have believed in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. It was the Holy Spirit who worked in us to bring us to that original confession. And now it is that same Holy Spirit who is working in us to confess the individual sins we commit. We have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit is rightfully taking up residence within us. He is cleaning house, or actually, be more correct to say, He's cleaning temple. We're called the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this happens when we confess our sins to God. There are people who call themselves Christians. And that these people will not confess that they still sin. We need only to read 1 John 1, 8 and 10 to discover that these people are wrong. 1 John 1, 8 tells us that if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. And 1 John 1, 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. <coughs> Excuse me. 
If there's anyone here today who considers himself a Christian but thinks that he no longer sins, I can only ask you to consider 1 John 1, 8, and 10. Remembering what? Remembering that this is written to believers. Now, let's consider what happens when a believer tries to hide their sin and will not confess their sin. David is a prime example. He was guilty of murder and adultery, and he tells of his condition when he would not confess his sins in Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4. He says, When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. He was actually suffering physically because of his spiritual sinfulness. Unrepentant, I should say. <coughs> now this is the miserable condition that a believer will find himself in if he grieves the Holy Spirit by keeping silent about his sins. Very often we rationalize and try to make excuses for our sins. We have seen what our attitude towards sin should not be, and now let's see what it should be. Paul is another inspired guide and teacher of God's will, and he tells us what our attitude towards sin should be in his letter to the Romans, chapter 8, and beginning of verse 12. So then, brethren... We are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. All of us who are born again have the Spirit of God within us. We would not believe if the Holy Spirit had not convicted us, made us alive in Christ. So God's Spirit is now leading us to put to death those sinful thoughts and words and deeds that would separate us from him. If we confess our sins, we are dealing a death blow to those deeds that would bring trouble and pain into our lives. <coughs> Excuse me. If we confess our sins, we are proving that we are indeed the children of God. We're showing that we too are offended by that sinful nature which, although defeated, still rears its ugly head in our lives to do whatever damage it can. Now let's see what happened to David when David could no longer bear the misery of his separation from God and finally confessed his sins to him. In Psalm 32, verse 5, he says, I acknowledge my sin to thee, and my iniquity I did not hide. 
I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. We too will obtain forgiveness when we confess our sins to God, because He is our Father. When a child is disobedient to his earthly father, that child will be separated from fellowship with his father and the rest of the family too by being sent to his room. When that child confesses his disobedience and earnestly desires from that time on to obey his father, he will find forgiveness. Even when that child was disobedient, he at no time lost the blood relationship he had with his father. But when he was forgiven, he was restored to fellowship with his father and the rest of the family. A loving father desires the repentance of a disobedient child because he wants to restore that child to fellowship with himself. Now this example, of course, is an ideal situation because not every earthly father and child would behave in this manner. Blood relationships in this sinful world can be just as hateful as any other human relationship. So, uh, in this world again. But this is not so with God because all those who have been brought out of the darkness of sin to walk in the light of God have been brought out by the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1.7 tells us, But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. God loves us, as his sons, because we are in his son. His love is a perfect love forever. And this brings us to the second lesson that John has for us. Here we learn, God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. (coughs) In order to understand this, we must keep in mind that 1 John 1.9 is written to believers. It is written to those of us who by the grace of God were brought from the path of darkness to walk in God's light. This verse is written to comfort us because even though we strive to walk in the light of God, we sometimes fall into the darkness of sin. Maybe it's thought sin or or we say something we shouldn't say, or we do something we shouldn't do, or we neglect to do things that we should do. The comfort we find here is that the all-sufficient shed blood of Jesus Christ that originally obtained our salvation is the same blood that obtains our forgiveness and cleansing for the individual sins that we commit while we strive to walk in God's light. It's comforting, isn't it? It's comforting. That's what he wants us to know. He's inspired to write these words. And John makes it very clear in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. 
And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. And we know that, speaking of the whole world, that anyone who by God's grace is going to be called into his kingdom, effectually called and throughout the world. It's not that the world, everyone is saved in the world. It's that anyone who is saved in the world is saved through Christ. No other way. Now the Westminster Shorter Catechism tells us that God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Also, remember Romans 3, and begin at verse 19 there. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there's no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God set forth, again, as a propitiation, satisfying God's wrath against us, God's righteous wrath. It's, it's weighed upon us, weighed upon us. And Jesus, when we have faith in him, he takes us out from under God's wrath. And he suffers God's wrath for our sakes. And God is satisfied. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead... That was God's seal of approval. That yes, this is my son and this is the Savior. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. So God is perfect and unchangeable in his justice. And he must be faithful to all that he is. He cannot change. But he can change us. Through Jesus Christ. This is exactly what he does when he brings us to repent of our sins and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. And then what happens, we, the, uh, the righteousness of God, the law and the prophets, drive us to the cross. Here's the cross. And it drives us to the cross to be saved and we're saved he washes our sins away and he clothes us in his perfect righteousness and then there's a pointing again to the law of God not that we're going to keep it to be saved but as evidence Christ's works alone are the basis of our salvation our works are the evidence it points back to the law as this is the way to life more abundant. You're not saved by it, but it's the evidence that you are saved.
That's the important thing. So we will continue to be sanctified, made holy, until we go to the Lord Jesus Christ and are glorified forever. We should also be clear that 1 John 1.9 does not give us license to sin. If we truly know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we will be seeking to live in righteousness and not in sin. In fact, we should be joyfully and lovingly obedient. Lord, I don't want to sin anymore. It should bother us because it drives us from Him. It puts a wall between us. This verse is to bring comfort to those Christians who are grieved when they sin. Now that God is our Father, He wants us to know that He is a merciful, loving, and gracious Father. So, being confronted with all this amazing grace that God has given us by adopting us into Himself through Jesus Christ, what are we to do? Let us prove now that we are the children of God by walking in the light of God's commandments. But if we should fall into the darkness of sin, my brothers and sisters, let us confess our sin quickly, knowing that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If anyone doesn't know the Lord as their Savior and Lord, if you're an unbeliever, and you're hearing this message tonight, God's reaching out to you through this congregation. Repent of your sins. Trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and you will be saved. May God have mercy on you and give you the grace to believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again we thank you for your great love, our great salvation. Thank you that we have these words of comfort. Thank you for inspiring the Apostle John to write them for us and for millions of brothers and sisters throughout the centuries and even in the future, Lord. And help us, Lord, to hate sin with a perfect hatred, to not let it, let it get a hold of us, Lord. And help us to love your commands. Uh, help us to obey your commands. So we can give evidence that indeed we are saved by grace alone, not of our works, lest any one of us should boast. And we praise you for what you're going to do. We pray that you'd come soon, Lord Jesus, and pray in your precious name. Amen.